Well, good morning and welcome to church. How's everybody feeling today? Everybody's alive and well. No hurricane swept you away. I was here earlier in the week and Mo was preparing the parking lot. I said, what are you doing? He said, we got a hurricane coming. I said, come on, your pastors live through all kinds of hurricanes. This ain't a hurricane. This is just a little rain here. Hey, if I haven't met you, my name is Josh Roberts. I'm honored and privileged to pastor this amazing church. And on behalf of our team and our staff, I just want to say welcome home. Welcome, welcome home. I hope you enjoy uh, yourself today. I hope you meet some great people. You know, one of the things that I love about our church is the relationships that are formed in this house. And if you haven't met anybody yet, stick around for a few minutes. After service, there's coffee in the cafe. We would love to connect with you. Hey, I want to jump right into today's message, but I want to give you just a little bit of an update. Uh, This past Monday, uh, we had pastors and leaders come from all over the country uh, for a roundtable event. Yeah, that you sewed into. I was trying to think of all the states. We had pastors from Louisiana, Texas, Florida, Maine, New Hampshire, Ohio, North Carolina, Canada, New York, Alabama. Man, we had people from all over here uh, coming to just learn and grow together. And, and it was just one of those amazing times where I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of the relationships that God has put in my life. I'll be honest with you, I was grateful for the content. I was grateful for, the, for the, the word that went forth to all the pastors. But the thing that I left with was, man, I've got such great friends in my life. I've got such great, amazing people. In fact, some of my best friends are right here on the front row. Would you guys stand up? This is Jared and the Musette folk all the way from Winnipeg, Canada. So glad you guys are here. I met Jared in 1997. Uh, I was in my early 20s getting ready to go to Bible school. And I met him in the cafeteria of our our Bible school. And I I realized I met someone just as crazy as me. Like within just moments, I'm like, oh man, we are going to be close. Like this is going to be great. And and I'm thinking about um, the last couple of days with all of our friends here. You know, relationships to me are are the key to life. I wrote this down. I've been thinking about this a lot. A lot of times people come and say, hey, I want to know the secret to life. Well, number one, have a relationship with Jesus. That's first. That's the key to a successful life. And secondly, after that, I would say, hold tight to the relationships that God places in your life. I said, hold tight to them. Which means sometimes you got to go through some drama with some folks. And sometimes they got to go some dra- through some drama with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, not me, I'm drama free. As I think about my life at 47 and I think about all these ministers that came from all over the country, I could say this relationships are the most valuable thing in my life outside of my relationship with Christ because they have outlasted everything else. The relationships that God has placed in my life have outlasted everything else in my life. I was thinking the other day about uh, me and Jared and went to look at cars this week and I started thinking, how many cars have I owned? Think back, how many cars have you owned? Cars come and go, but my friends are still here. I probably owned 13 cars since I met this man 26 years ago, and yet we're still great friends. I think about tools and resources, money and stuff. Mo was talking about our stuff. We all love our stuff. I love boots. Mo loves Jordans. But you know what? These things only last for so long. But I look back and I compare God's relationships he's placed in my life. Man, I've had hundreds of pairs of shoes over the course of my relationship with Jaredon. And yet my relationship is still there. I think about all the jobs I've had. How many of you had more than one job? Let's, let's skip it up. How many of you had more than five jobs in your lifetime? Come on, let me see it. How about 10? Anybody had 10 jobs? Some of us have had 20 jobs. Anybody say, man, I've had over 20 jobs. You know, right now they say that the average man won't keep a job more than seven years. He gets bored, gets uncontent. And it should speak to us about things in our life that come and go. And then when we look at our relationships, it should give us such a greater understanding of God's love for us that he placed people in our life that would last longer than our shoes, our money, our houses, our jobs, your titles, your ups, your downs. I'm grateful today. I truly believe godly relationships are the key 
to a vibrant and successful life. Today, we start a brand new series simply called Relationships. Everybody say relationships. We all got them. We all want them. But how do we make sure that they are godly relationships? You know, for us just to have relationships is one thing. And the truth is, is if they're not godly relationships, they can actually hurt you and distract you and detour you from your destiny and from your purpose. But I believe that God-ordained relationships are the key to you and I fulfilling our destiny and our purpose. Do you believe that? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for, for these amazing people in the house watching online and listening by podcast. Lord, I thank you that they hear your word, your word, not mine, your word in my mouth. I pray that it delivers hope today. Lord, I pray that your word delivers healing today. And as we study your scriptures, we would get a greater glimpse of the purpose of our relationships. And Lord, that we would understand right here at the beginning of the series that it wasn't man's idea, it was your idea for people to gather together for a greater purpose. Holy Spirit, give me the right words at the right time, the right stories and illustrations. Declare your word with boldness today in Jesus' name, amen. I think about this, not everybody wants relationships, but we need relationships. In fact, I would say this, you may say you don't want relationships or you're all set with people, but deep down inside you, there's a craving to connect with somebody else. I did a study years ago as we were talking about church growth, and I've attended lots of church, church growth conferences, and I had coaching and, and mentors, and, and everybody will tell you, oh, there's all these reasons why people come to church. And the number one reason is they actually want to get to know people. The second reason is they want to get to know God. Isn't that funny? Because most of us would say, hey, I came to church, Joe, because I want a relationship with the Lord. But really, I just want to find somebody like Joe to play golf with every once in a while. Many of us will use the religious idea of I want a relationship with God, but the average person doesn't even know they need a relationship with God if they never grew up in church. They long the relationship of companionship and friendship of people. Truth is, we all need godly relationships. And as I've been studying for this, I'm even more grateful for my relationships than I've ever been before. And I'm thinking about why am I so grateful for, for great friends and, and a great staff and great elders and, and great companions and my wife and my kids. Well, here's the thing for me. I feel stronger and safer in my life knowing that I have people that care about me. I feel stronger like I could do more, I have more capacity, I could have more impact when I know I've got people that are with me. Amen. You ever done something by yourself and you're like, man, if I just had a little bit of help, we could get this done quicker. Right. This last couple of weeks, I've been uh, buying firewood and getting ready for the fire season. I love a good fireplace. I love uh, burning a, a, a fire all year long, uh, through the, all, all winter long. And, and the problem is I have a nine-year-old son and I need some help lifting some heavy logs. And so I take Hunter with me to go pick up the firewood, and he's looking for the littlest logs he can find. I'm like, come on, dude, get the big one. Let's go. In those moments, you wish you had somebody with some strength. Relationships strengthen you. Relationships also make you feel safe when times aren't great. Here's the thing. From the very foundation of the world, God's intentions for his creation, which is us, pinch yourself, pinch yourself. You, you were created by God. We were created to be connected to him as well as connected to other people. And the truth is, I want to blow your mind for a minute. You can't be connected to him by yourself. He's actually asked you and requested that you relate to him, but then also you relate with others. The sad news is today is many people and many relationships are being defined by what the world says they should look like rather than what God's word says they should be like. Social media will tell you one thing about your dating relationships. Where's all my single folks out? No single folks today? It's all the married folks in here, all the single folks, man. We're scrolling through social media and we're looking and it's giving us dating advice and what kind of person to look for, what kind of person you need to be. And I love all that, but man, if it's not rooted, if it's not rooted and grounded in the word, you're just taking someone else's advice. 
Truth is, is for us as believers, we don't get our relationship advice solely from the world. I think you can pick some things up. But man, our relationships should come from a model and a principle based in God's word. It's actually counter to what society's telling us right now. You know, the truth about society is it changes. It changes. I, I don't know who's the oldest in the room and who's the youngest in the room, but I would say that the oldest people in the room are probably saying, man, I remember back in my day when I was dating and my dad told me this or my mom told me this or my, my mentor told me this or, or I watched this happen and now today young people aren't even going to their parents for marriage advice. They're going to their iPhone. And we wonder why one out of every two relationships is failing. Because we have a society that's obsessed and consumed with popular, I can't even talk this morning, public and popular opinion. I remember um, when Steph and I first got here, I was hired. My first role here was to be the young adult director. And that was for, for people at that time, like ages 18 to 35. And I just tell you, if you're 35, you're not a young adult just going to lay that out there. But when we set the parameters for 18 to 35, you can't imagine how many people were angry with me. Yes. You're keeping us out. Yep. I said, yes, you're old. Get out of here. This is for young college students. Go get a, go get a job. Go do something. And I, I, I'm just being funny, just being funny. But I, I couldn't believe the amount of um, pressure. And I just lost my train of thought. That was not in my notes. Maybe that was the Lord saving me there. Oh, I know what it was. Here was a, I was meeting with some young adults, and then they were talking. We had a dating relationship series we were doing, and a couple of the ladies had, had, had sat down, and they said, we have some questions. And I said, yes, and my wife was there. And they said, well, well tell us what it was like when you guys lived together. And I said, what, 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 what do you mean? And they said, well, you guys lived together before you got married. What was that, and how long did you live together before you got married? I said, hold up, hold up, Cracker Jack. I, me and my wife did not live together. We were raised in a home where you, you do your thing, you do this thing. And at one time after you've gotten married under the presence of God, then, then and committed to God and each other, then you can move in together. And they were like, oh, you, you mean I have to wait? Like, are you, they were flabbergasted, like, who, who does that? Isn't that risky? And then they went on. I said, what's risky? And they said, well, what if we're not sexually compatible? Are we going to go there for one second? And I said, then you'll figure it out. But we're not trying on spouses based on sexual... Like we try on our shoes. Oh, these just don't fit good. I wore them for a few weeks. I'm going to take them back to the store. And all the single people said, ouch. And all the married people that have been married for 30 years said, preach, pastor. But here's the thing. It's not even just about marriage and dating. It's about just general relationships. In life, we quit on people so quickly. Oh, he said that. I'm so offended. I can't even believe it. Man, that's your brother, that's your friend, that's your dad, that's your mom. Relationships, we're going to go through some ups and downs. And if you'll understand this, that, that seasons change, life changes, but he never changes, which is why we put him at the center of all of our relationships. Let me say this, this, this is not a dating series and this is not a marriage series. This is a relationship series. So whether you're married, it applies to you. Whether you're single, it applies to you. Whether you're young, it applies to you. Or whether you're in your last days, it applies to you. God's idea of relationships is eternal. His plan has never changed. But for whatever reason, the church has bought into, well, this is what society is saying is acceptable now. So we're just going to go with that because we don't want to go against the grain. I said this to you a few weeks ago, and I'm going to repeat it for as long as the Lord will let me. Your life is not easy because you've chosen to walk the path of a biblical principled life, which means you're going against culture. You're going in adverse direction against the way everybody else is going. I don't know if you've ever been on the, uh, at the mall. You guys, anybody go to the mall? 
And, and, and sometimes you're walking through the mall and, and you come out of a store and you're walking and you realize, wait a second, everybody's walking towards me. And they're looking at you like, what are you doing? Don't you know the mall goes this way? You're walking the wrong way. You, dude, and so you're like, excuse me, excuse me. And I got the stroller with two kids and, and the other running around. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. And they're looking at me like, dude, you're in the wrong lane. Like, go over there. Where, this is one way. That's how your life as a Christian is going to feel and get used to it. We're going against the grain. You remember in the, you remember, this in my notes, you remember the old school days when, when people used to run in church? How many of you grew up in a Pentecostal church? And the drummer would get going with a two-beater, like, and people like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start, they start dancing and shouting. And then all of a sudden, someone gets so excited, they, they take off running. That was my church. I grew up in that church. But, but we had narrow aisles like this. And so we were like, you run one direction. And everybody knew it. Like, if we run it, you run left to right. You run in this direction. But there'd always be that person who's so overcome with the Holy Spirit. They ain't got their eyes open. And they, they run in, and all of a sudden, man, like, bam! Like, they get tackled. You're like, you should have run the wrong way. When you choose godly relationships and you live the way that God has called us to live, it's going to feel like you're going against the grain. This series is to help us understand we're not normal. We're supernatural beings. Listen to this. He says this, and I'm getting away from my time. Isaiah 40 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The, the flowers change. The grass is going to fade. Society's going to change. Fads are going to change. Laws are going to change. School systems are going to change. Politicians are going to continue to evolve. But God's word stays the same. I said God's word stays the same. So, well, well the, the government just passed a law that these kind of people can get married. Okay, that's great. But what does the Bible say? Well, the, the government's changing laws and, and we're going to make all this up for these people. Hey, great. Go for it. I'm not of those people. I subscribe that the word of God is the foundation for my life and my relationships. My question is not what everybody else is saying. What does the word say? Truth is God's word is the ultimate source of truth. Go listen to Dr. Phil if you want to. But then take Dr. Phil's advice and filter it through the word. Go listen to your favorite talk show host or psychiatrist, but then just filter it back through the word and find out, is he saying what the Lord says? So let's look for the next few weeks through the word as we talk about godly relationships. And here's what I want to start out with today. Number one is you need to understand that your first relationship should be with him. Your number one relationship should be with God the Father. That's why he created you. Many people wonder, why was I created? You were created to have a relationship with the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was his desire. In fact, we see it in Genesis 1. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Listen to this. I wrote this for you today. Only humans, not your dogs, not your pets, not your parakeet, not your hamster, only humans are uniquely created in the image and likeness of God, which distinguishes us from all other beings because we have a spirit they don't. We were made like him so we could have relationship with him, the one and only triune God. What separates humans from every other creation piece on the planet? It's we have a spirit. I hate to break it to you, but your dogs are not going to heaven. I know, and I have a dog that is not in heaven. I don't think he's in hell either, by the way. I just think he's in the dirt because he doesn't have a spirit, he doesn't have a soul. And here's the thing, that's just my theology. But, and, and when I say it, oh, you guys just tuned out on me. Lord, help me. Don't mess with the pets, I get it. But what I'm trying to say is you and I have something special. 
We have the ability actually to connect with God, our Heavenly Father. We actually have the ability through our spirit to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, not only in our ears, but when we read the word and in our heart. We actually have the ability to have a one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ who came and died and rose again. Like, like we have eternity guaranteed to us because God wanted a relationship with us. Your first relationship is because God wants to be in relationship with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves me. Here's the second thing. Once you realize that God's your first, then you need to realize that God's plan for your life involves others. He wants you and desires that we do life together. Listen to this. Seven times in Genesis 1, God observed creation and he said, man, this this looks good. Listen to this. In Genesis 1, he said, he spoke light into existence, and he declared, man, this, this looks good. And then in Genesis 1.10, after separating the waters from the land, he called it good again. This is, this is good stuff right here. And then after creating the plants and all the stuff that grows in Genesis 1.12, he also said it was good. And then Genesis 1.18, after putting the, the lighting system in the heavens and separating night and day, he said it again. He called it Good. Everybody say good. good. And then in Genesis 1.21, after creating the animals, your dogs and your pets, to populate the water and the air, he observed all the creatures of the earth and said, man, this looks awesome. This is good. And then finally, after creating humanity, us, you and I, the capstone of his creation, he observed it all and declared not just to be good, but this is very good. Light's good. Ocean's good. Mountains are good. Sea turtles are good. Flipper's fine. Look at this. I created man in my image. This is so good. But then you skip forward a few verses into Genesis 2, and he says, it is not good that that creation be alone. This is good. This is good. This is good. They're good. It's not good that they should be alone. I want to tell you this right here in this moment because many people are living alone and lonely. It is not God's highest and best for you to do life alone. It's his greatest desire that you find a tribe, that you find a group of people, that you find friends, that you find community, and I find it in the local church. Truth is, is over the last few years, we've allowed the enemy to separate us and isolate us. I don't know what your views are on covid I don't know if you're a masker, non-masker, vaxxer, non-vaxxer. I really don't care. But I can tell you this. We would all agree that COVID separated us. It divided us. And and even today, it's still dividing us in the sense that we want to do things by ourselves when before COVID, man, we loved doing stuff together. We loved having friends over for dinner and hanging out and barbecuing. And then all of a sudden, the TV says, hey, you shouldn't have anybody in your house. And we said, okay. All right. Taking somebody else's word for what God's word says. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. I don't know if you forgot, but Jesus went to the leper community. He laid hands on the lepers. He wasn't afraid of getting leprosy. Oh, it gets touchy in here when you talk about that. We've gotten so comfortable and we've allowed politics and and, and everybody else to to separate us. We we, we went for a long time and there's still people. And I'm not knocking you, but online church has become a thing. And I'm going to tell you, online church should never be a thing. Someone said, well, you got all these cameras, you spent all this money. I didn't, I didn't spend the money and do all this so people could stay at home. I did it so you could watch while you're on vacation. Or if you couldn't make it or you were sick. But this isn't an alternate, alternate view of what the body of Christ should look like. He's called us to gather together. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you came to church today. I'm glad to see your face today. And I want to invite all of our friends that are watching online. Man, we want to see you back in the house. We love you. We miss you. We have a place for you. And it goes beyond church. I mean, think about it. We all want to work from home now. Everybody wants to work from home now. Three years ago, working from home. I'd like to work from home. Uh, Yeah, go find somewhere else to work. (laughs) It's called showing up on time and clocking in. But now everybody wants to work from home. I just, I just feel better at home by myself. I'm less distracted. Hey, I get it. I'm distracted too, but that's not God's plan for your work environment. He's caused us and called us to work together. Right. Come on. 
I know I'm, I'm poking some things and, 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 and that's okay for you. Even school, we've got students that I have too much anxiety. I don't want to go to college. I just want to do online classes. Don't let fear and anxiety and something the enemy's put on you keep you from the healing that actually may come through relationships that you're going to meet on that campus. Can you see what's happening here? Lord created us together, together, and the enemy's doing everything he can with everything he has to separate us. Now hear me say this. There's extenuating circumstances for people that need to be at home or need to work at home or need to go to college online. But what I'm saying, it's an alternative. It's not the main thing. We've gotten so accustomed to everything. It just needs to be comfortable. I'm not comfortable in the classroom anymore. Where? Well, like, come on, let's go. Like, there's, this is, this is who, and I, listen, I'm, I'm sorry this offends you, but we're called to be the light of the earth. And what are you doing with your candle at home? Right. It's by yourself, this, this, this thing we have, we are supposed to be sent into darkness, not hiding ourselves and say, well, if they want it, they have to come find me, hide and seek. Relationships should be in the forefront. Say it to you this way. I just ticked a bunch of people off and that's okay. Convenience was never God's plan for your life. Comfort is never God's plan for your life. His plan requires us to gather with other people and have them come alongside of us so we can use them to help us fulfill our destiny. So they can use us and our gifts and our talents and our strength to fulfill their purpose. Your destiny, according to the scriptures, involves other people. So let's take the next few minutes. What do godly relationships look like? If we're called to be together, I think that we should identify what is a godly relationship and what is not a godly relationship. And shouldn't there be some factors that make it stand out that that these people provide this in my life and these people may not? So consider this like a, a checklist today for the friends you have the relationships you have. And then I would ask you this week to take this list and use it as a mirror. Am I that kind of friend to others? Do I provide those characteristics for the people that I have relationship with? You ready? I got seven minutes to give you five points. You ready? Number one, we need friends that pray for us. Godly relationships are centered around prayer. They care for you through prayer. James, James 5 says, Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Number one, I want to ask is, do you have friends that pray for you? And if you say yes, how do you know? I have friends that say, hey, I'm praying for you. And, and I appreciate that. I love friends that say, hey, can I pray with you right now? The Lord convicted me several years ago. I was here at IFC and it was during COVID and people were coming and need prayer and stuff. And we would just say, hey, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. And the Lord said, pray for him right now. I said, right now? I'm in the church lobby. There's a whole line of people waiting here. And the Lord said, I want you to pray for him right now. Don't just say, I'll be praying for you. Dr. Daddy, I got your back, man. I'm praying for you. No, just grab him by the shoulder and join hands with him. Pray for him right now. I want friends that don't say they're going to do it. I want friends that are actually going to do it. In real time. The truth is, is the, 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 this is, I love this. It says that you will be healed from confessing your sins one to another. The Catholic church will tell you, you got to go confess to the priest. Jesus said, man, you can just go confess it to your brother and repent and get prayer. And in that moment, there's healing. We've made it too difficult. Godly relationships should point us to healing through Christ because we pray for each other. 2010, I lost my job in California, and it was devastating for me. In that month, a friend of mine called me for Atlanta, and he said, hey, man, I, I know you're going through a tough time. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I said, thank you, sir. He said, let me pray for you right now. I said, yes, sir. I shut my eyes on the phone. He prayed, and I woke up. I opened my eyes. I was bawling my eyes out. The next month, he called me again. He said, hey, I'm just praying for you. I had you on my mind today. I wanted to call you in time. I'm praying for you, but I want to pray for you right now on the phone. He did that month after month after month after month after month. He did that for a full year. Every month he called me. He's on my board today. He serves as a board member of this church. His name is Hal Hardy. And then the year two came and he called me every month and every month and every month. And then year three, every month, every month, the same thing. And here we are 10 years later. Every single month he calls me at least once and says, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. You got a minute? Can I pray for you on the phone? I'm grateful for that relationship. 
I'm grateful for someone that put prayer as a priority, as the, the surface of where we begin our relationship. Let me ask you, who are you praying for? And who's praying for you? Your prayer over your friends may be the one step they need for their healing. And I'll say this to you, some of us need healing in our life, but we don't have godly friends who are willing to pray for us. You need to find some new friends. Your healing may be one prayer away. Number two, we need people not only to pray for us, we need relationships that celebrate with us. Man, in a season of, of, of eternity here, man, more than ever, we need people that champion us, that cheer us on and say, bro, you got this. I'm in your corner. Yesterday's gone, man. Your future's bright. You're alive today. You're back at church. What did that do? And all of a sudden, man, he's smiling now. I don't know what he's going through, but I can tell you this, anytime somebody cheers me on, man, it makes me happy. It makes me happy. I need friends that will celebrate with me. This week, one of my good friends, uh, same thing, I've known him 26 years. His name's Josh Pennington. And he's a pastor in Ohio. And almost every Sunday, but maybe not every Sunday, but three out of four Sundays, he calls me in the afternoon. And, and I'll pick up and he says, hey, I just, I just call him because I know you'll celebrate with me. 14 people gave their heart to the Lord at our church today. And I scream and yell on the other end of the phone, yeah, wow, it's amazing. He'll call me the next week and he'll say, hey, 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 I won't keep you. I know you're watching golf, but that's what I, I want to call. I know because I know you'll celebrate with me. He said, man, he said today, he said we had, we had th- you know, three people filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I cheer him on. Yes, Josh, go for it. You need people that will celebrate with you. He got a Tesla a few years ago and he was so pumped. He was so excited. He's like, dude, I got a Tesla. I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about Teslas. I, I'm sure they're great. And he's like, Oh, man, I was hoping you'd celebrate with me. I was like, yeah, Tesla, Tesla, yeah, it's amazing. We, we need people that will celebrate with us. Listen, if people that you're around, your relationships only tell you what they're doing awesome in their life, but refuse to celebrate with you when something awesome, man, there's something dysfunctional in that relationship. I now call my friends when I see something or hear something they did. Hey, I just saw or heard that something, something man, you, you hit a hole in one, yeah. You know why we're depressed? It's because we hang out with depressed people. You know why we're anxious? Because we surround ourselves with anxious people. I can speak to this because I was both. And I had to get away from those people. And I had to get around people that even though I was depressed, man, I'd say, man, you look good. Man, you look awesome. What's happening? Something's got to be going on. You look, you're smiling. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I ain't got that much to, sh- I ain't got that much to cry about anymore. Life and hope were revived in me because people made me feel different. By celebrating me. Society wants to put everybody down all the time. Man, we got to flip the script on this for godly relationships and not find something wrong with people. Let's start looking for something right with people. Oh, I wish you'd cheer a little bit louder on that one because everybody's telling us we're doing the wrong thing. Our own inner critic tells us we suck. We're not good. We're not going to make it. We don't have the qualification. Every day I have the enemy and the inner me telling me that. I don't need you to defeat me. I can defeat myself. What I need from my relationships is, hey, keep going. Tomorrow's going to be better. Hey, I know last night wasn't great, but man, tomorrow, his mercies are new every morning. Hey, the past is the past. Turn about and head towards greatness. Relationships that strengthen us are ones that celebrate us. Maya Angelou, she said, I've learned that people will forget what you've said. People will forget what you do for them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. You want to have some great friends? Maybe you don't have friends. Start championing the people around you. You'll have more friends than you know what to do with. I mean that. I don't have any friends. Start finding people to compliment them. When you make somebody feel better about themselves, they're going to want to be around you. Here's the thing. Number three, we need prayer. We need celebration. But we need relationships that help us grow. This is going to be a tough one for some of us. We only want people around us that make us feel comfortable. We don't want to have hard conversations because we don't want turmoil. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to be offended and we don't want to offend anybody else. And I'm going to tell you this, offense happens. It's called life. You're a human being. Someone says something that triggers you, get over it. These are godly people, these places in your life. Don't be triggered. Let it be the Holy Spirit maybe speaking through them. 
The enemy loves to use this word triggered because anytime it goes cross grain, it makes you feel uncomfortable. We claim it as, oh, he's bringing up my past. No, I'm just, I'm just pointing out that I saw something in you today. I don't know anything about your past, but the way that you interacted with me right now made me hurt. You're triggering me. Well, um, forgive me. I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't a part of your past, but I want to make sure that's not a pattern for the future. The Bible says this, that iron sharpens iron. Proverbs, it's 2717. You should write this one down. This is very important. Iron sharpens iron. Iron doesn't sharpen wood. And wood doesn't sharpen iron. Iron sharpens iron, which means if you know anything about iron and iron crossing, there's going to be some friction and there's going to be some sparks. Why is it in the body of Christ that we don't want sparks and friction? We don't want to alarm anybody. I want to set them off. Yeah, but how are they going to grow? And there's something about speaking the truth. And there's a lot of people that love to speak the truth, but you got to have the other part of that scripture, which is it's grace wrapped in truth. It's truth wrapped in grace. We're not sharpening each other and just condescending each other just to sound like we're better than each other. No, God's pulled us together that we can grow together. Godly relationships should make us better people. They guide us when we're off track. They help us make godly choices. Excuse me, and they keep us focused on Christ as the center of our life. Who are you allowing to sharpen you? A name should come in your mind right now, a face. And if not, it may mean that you're comfortable and that you've kept sharpening tools away from you because you don't want anybody to pop your bubble. I'm going to say it to you in the kindest way. I desire confrontation because I don't want to stay the same. And I never want someone to say, hey, he's been the same guy for the last five years. I want someone to say, man, he's growing. Man, something's changing. He's shifting. What's going on with him? I want that not only set of me, but I want that set of the company that I keep. And I want to make sure that the people that I have company with, I've given them permission to speak into my life and point something out and say, hey, man, you said such and such here and I don't... You may have just been popping off of the mouth, but the way you said it, it rubbed me the wrong way and I think that it's going to... And in love, I can receive that and say, well, I love, he loves me. He cares about me. He's not trying to hurt me. Maybe he's trying to help me grow. And vice versa, I want relationships where I have the ability to say, hey, you said something the other day and I can't get it off my mind, but I think that we should talk about this. I think you need to rethink this. What is this? Ironing, sharpening iron because we need people to help us grow. Everybody say growth is required. Number four, and I'll run through these last two quickly. We need relationships that will help us. You need people that pray for you. Listen to this. You need people not only that pray for you. You need people that celebrate you. You need people that will help you grow. But relationships are also there to help us. Everybody say, help. help. You ever had to scream help? You ever screamed help? I was in, a, I was in a, a retreat in last May, and I was with uh, 20, uh, 20 buddies, 15, actually 15 buddies, pastors from across the nation, and we went to a retreat center in South Carolina. In the basement of the, of the retreat center, the garage, actually, there was a golf simulator, a hitting bay, where you could hit golf balls into a net, and they had this high-tech computer to pick up the ball speed and the flight and everything. And I'm there with my best friends, my best buddies, and I hit this shot, hit it 135 miles an hour off the face of the driver, and it went right into the ground and hit a piece of metal, and it came back and hit me right here in the face. Sprayed blood everywhere. And I went down on the ground like this, and they were all behind me. And I went down like this, and I could feel the blood. My, I could just feel, it felt like water coming down. And I, and I stood up, and I turned around, and I said, I think I need some help. And they all freaked out. They're like, Ah! There was blood everywhere, my whole face, my hands was running down my shirt. I was covered in blood. I needed some help. And the first thing that I heard Josh Pennington, one of my best friends, he turned around. He said, oh, we're all in the same room. He started yelling, help! We need help! We need medical help! And I'm like, dude, everybody's right here in the room. I mean, who, who are you yelling at? There will be times in your life where you need help. There'll be times when circumstances are so overwhelming you can't see past the trauma that just happened to you. And people that are isolated and have chosen to do life alone, you can scream help all you want, but nobody's coming because they don't have a relationship with you. 
Every one of us are going to go through seasons where we need to call somebody and say, hey, I just, I just need some help. I got, I got this problem. And it may not be a grandiose problem like you split your, split your face open with a golf ball. It may just be, I need help raising my kids. I've never done this before. It may be a newly married couple that says, hey, we, we, um, um, we need some help. Why are you calling us? Because you guys have been married for 50 years and done it well. We, we, we need some help. Young couples, the greatest relationships that you can have in your life are not other young couples right now. It's older couples who have been married 25, 30, 40 years. We love to gather together, and, and, I, and I love having couples. I'm, I'm, I'm young. I said, I'm young. We have other couples we, we, we do life with, but I'm not always going to them for marriage tips or parenting tips, maybe for collaboration. But I'm looking to older people that are more seasoned and have walked this well in their life for the relationship guidance that I need. Everyone's going to need help. Listen to this. You're going to experience failure. You will experience loss. Every one of us will experience loneliness. Every one of us that are called of God will experience persecution and resistance. But your God-ordained relationships will support you in a crazy time. Your help comes from God, but a lot of times it comes through people. We're praying for miracles, and then your neighbor shows up and says, I was just thinking about you. What do you want? (laughs) Isn't it funny when we pray a crazy prayer like, Lord, I need your help. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, the phone rings, and it's a close friend. What do you need? What's going on? I'm busy. I just felt like I should call you. Maybe it's the Lord responding to your prayer through somebody else. My greatest times of need, just being totally transparent, the Lord never showed up in physical being. I've never heard his voice audibly. Money never fell out of heaven. Every miracle that's happened in my life came through a relationship with somebody else. Maybe there's a miracle that you're waiting for in your life. Maybe there's a prayer that you've been praying and Yet the answer is coming through people, but you live life like this. And you're angry at God when really he's trying to provide something the whole time through other people. Let me ask you these two questions, then I have one more. When was the last time you thanked a friend for being there when you were down? True relationships show gratitude and humility. Hey, I was down here. Remember when you helped me? I didn't, and most of us would say, we didn't do much. I just, I just took your phone call. I just, I just showed up with the cake. I just, I just sat there while you cried. Yeah, but it was everything. It was how you made me feel. Thank you. What was the last time you thanked somebody for helping you up? And when was the last time, and this is for a check for your heart, when was the last time I somebody asked for help, but you were too busy or didn't have time? Godly relationships require sacrifice. We'll talk about that as we get towards marriage. Listen to this last one. We need f- number, number five, we need people to push us towards Jesus. Godly relationships push you towards Christ, not pull you away from Christ. Take inventory right now. The four closest people in your life, are they pulling you away from God? Or are they pushing you towards God? In Matthew 2, there's a story of a paralytic man, and it says in in verse 3, it says, they brought a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. They ripped the roof off. They couldn't get in. If you went to Sunday school, you know the story. Jesus is preaching in a house. There's no room. And these four crazy guys have brought their best friend who can't walk anymore. And they're so desperate for their buddy to get the healing that they begin to rip the roof off and they lower him down in the middle of that meeting. And Not only does he get his sins forgiven, he gets healed. It's a great picture of the kind of friends that God's called us to have. Would they rip a roof off a situation for you? Or would they say, dude, I'm going to be late for work. The four closest people in your life determine the trajectory of your life. This is your homework. Your best friends, your four closest people, who are they? Run them down through this list. This is an exhaustive list. This is an introductory list. Do they pray for you? Do they celebrate you? Do they help you? Are they helping you grow? And are they pushing you towards Jesus or pulling you away? Two statements and then I'll close. Godly relationships 
add to us, not take away from us. They add to you. They add value to you. They add health, life, vitality, strength, wisdom. They don't, they don't take from you. And godly relationships are to help you not hurt you. If it's a godly relationship, it helps. It doesn't hurt. What I mean by that is many people are caught up in abusive relationships and they stay out of loyalty. That's not God's plan for your life. It's not God's best for your life. I want to say it. I felt this this morning. Some of you feel trapped in relationships and for you to walk away, you think that would cause more pain on that person and you're willing to take the pain that they're inflicting upon you. That is not God's best for you. I said it's not God's best for you. And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit through this series, God's going to give you the power to walk away from that relationship. You were created in the image and likeness of God with a purpose and a destiny. And the enemy would love to entangle us and snag us up with relationships that were formed or based out of fleshly desires. And just because it's been two years or five years or 10 years doesn't mean you're stuck, you're not stuck. God's plan is that he's gonna provide friends and family and relationships that lift you up out of where you are and that help you feed you and nourish you through God's word. That's what a godly relationship looks like. It's not what we have in life. It's who we have in our life that matters. Many people are obsessed with stuff. I'm obsessed with souls. This week I was reminded how many great people I have in my life. When I stand on this podium every Sunday, I look around and I'm like, man, I'm in the right place the right time with the right people doing the right thing someone asked me recently again they get these crazy questions how did you become the pastor of IFC I don't, I don't know I just felt like this was the place I was supposed to be you were the people I was supposed to be with this was the time and, and I wanted to do it with you I don't know how you got here but I can guarantee you that's how your friends are going to come They desire to be in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. And you can talk yourself into the right room, into the right relationships, into the right timing, into the right purpose with your mouth. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you for setting us up for a win by creating other people. Thank you for setting us up that we could fulfill our purpose through the relationships. Lord, I pray that relationships will be valued more during this series than any other time of the year. I pray that questions about relationships would be answered. I pray that brand new relationships would be formed in this house. Lord, I declare that relationships for the next few weeks will be restored as we implement your word. Lord, I declare that forgiveness will be granted through this series give us the courage to extend mercy to those around us who have done us wrong. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified in all of our relationships. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I started this series with the statement that God wants to have a relationship with you. He sent Jesus to die on a cross so you could have a relationship and be connected to God, your Father. Ultimately, you could spend eternity with him in heaven after this life ends. But you can never have godly relationships if you don't have God in your relationship. You can never have these characteristics that we talk about without Him, the creator of these characteristics. I want to extend that opportunity to you today if you need Jesus. If you want to, bring a re- if you want to start a relationship with Him today, I'm going to ask you to be brave and just wave your hand at me. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, sir, I see you. Yes, sir, I see you. Just wave your hand at me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want godly relationships, but I want God first. I see you right over here. I got you, buddy, right here. Yes, sir. Got you. Yes, sir. Anybody else? You say, man, I, I need, I need, I need that. Yes, ma'am. I see you right here. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I see you right over here. Yes, ma'am. You say, I desire to start that relationship right now. 
One last look all the way across the auditorium. I see you in the back. Yes, ma'am. Pastor, pray for me. Here's what I want to do. I want you to look at me. Everybody look up. Whether you raised your hand or not, I'm pumped for those that raised your hand today. I said, I'm pumped for those that raised their hand today. You're, you're going to start on the greatest adventure of your life. Here's, here's what we're going to do. We're a, we're a family church. We're going to pray this prayer together so you're not the only one. So out of your belly, just say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to die on a cross to pay for my sins. So today, I repent. I turn from my sin. I turn from my ways. I turn from my ideas. And I look to you, the author and the finisher of my faith. I declare you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed? Here's some homework. Take those lists. And this week, run a, run a scan of your friends. But then, even more importantly, run a scan on yourself. What kind of friend are you? Yeah. For us to start a new season, we have to evaluate ourselves. What new season? Man, life group season is here. In just a few weeks, we're going to launch our life groups. And if you've never been a part of a life group, there are gatherings that meet all over the city, all over, all over Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. And, and we gather together simply out of relationship. We've got some men's groups. We've got women's groups. We've got marriage groups. We've got single moms groups. We've got, uh, we've got groups that just love to gather and drink coffee. My favorite group. We've got a group that loves to play golf. We have groups that ride motorcycles together. Really, what the group does is not so important as you're gathering with others. Every one of us have different interests and different hobbies and different desires. But here's what I would say to you. There's a group for you. And if you've been at IFC for even just a short time, you say, man, I want to get to know people. I, I, I want relationships. I, I want my kids to meet other kids. And we want to meet other couples. And I, I'd like to find mentors. And man, groups is the way to do it. Yep. And, and this is a cliche statement, but I'm going to say it anyways. We say it this way here. Circles are better than rows. I'm grateful you came today, but you're really not going to do much interaction with the people on your row other than coming and going today. But when you commit to 10 weeks in a group, which isn't a huge commitment. Most groups only meet twice a month. We, we, when you gather together, man, something happens over a round of golf, a cup of coffee, over a book study, or a discipleship plan that can't happen any other place than in a group. First week of October, right upstairs in our cafe, come join us for our life group season. I love you. God bless you. Pastor.